Activate your personal shield and get your trait level to three. It's time for the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. Going back to Battlefront. Sure. How did Guillaume approach the heroes for this DLC? And how did you get the information about them? Uh, I think his approach was was largely influenced by the fact that he wanted he wanted these two heroes to feel very different from anything that's come before. And I think that we we got fairly lucky in that the Lucasfilm vision for each of these characters were that they were quite unique uh, from from other heroes. And I think part of that just goes back to the fact that this is a you know outside of Episode Seven, this is a, a brand new take in the time in the four five and six time frame that no one's seen before so there's the opportunity for completely new style of characters and i think when, when all your listeners get to finally go see the movie they'll see that it's a different a different style of of movie um again feels star wars but it's a different style of movie and it, it calls for different types of characters to kind of be highlighted there so it was a lot of conversation with lucasfilm saying what is unique about these characters what are kind of their motivations uh what are what are their behaviors um, and then trying to figure out how can we make something interesting to play knowing, knowing these few things about the character. Uh, and like, and, you know, being, being their new kind of flagship characters, they're obviously, uh, fairly secretive about that stuff, uh, earlier on as, as time got on and we were close more and more with them, uh, yeah. you know, more information would come, but, you know, fairly early out, they would be like, okay, we can only tell you a little bit. Um, and sometimes, like I said, we kind of go on tidbits to figure out what, what makes for good stuff. And then we just refine it over time. Uh, but it was yeah. really just, just bringing to life what was unique about those characters. Yeah. Going, touching on the secrecy. I remember when uh, rogue one was announced the scarf DLC and I was just like, what weapons are they going to use? And then like yeah. a couple of months before it came out, they're like, Hey, here's the weapons. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's. The, the the challenge that we had talking with them uh, was I think fans picked up on this stuff as well but for us we, you know we, we we thought about it a little earlier on was uh, hey you're 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 showing like these weapons or these vehicles or these things we never see those again though yeah. why is that and they're like eh, let's not talk about that <laughs> <laughs> look over there <laughs> yeah exactly but it yeah there's this again it's this is set very shortly before uh, episode four. So it's, it's like, well, what happened to these things? Why don't we ever see uh, these things again? So yeah, yeah, like you said, some of those stuff would come out in media. You'd see pictures from star Wars celebration, or they'd announce something on the website and you're just like, huh, they do have new things. But I figured since it was so close to episode four, it literally be all the same old stuff. I like how it's set in between the clone wars or the episode three and four. I mean, that's a very interesting time period for Star Wars. It's a bit closer to four. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think that I really like their, their approach of trying to fill those gaps a little bit with, with like Star Wars Rebels, with some of the, what the comic books are doing right now. Because, like, you know, like we said earlier, there is a, there is a big war going on and, and not even just the, the, the troopers that are, that are, you know, facing these battles like we talked about. But uh, in, in in the comics and in the books, there's also what what are the heroes doing in these in between periods? It's really cool. I like that they're they're fleshing the world out. Yeah, but what is what is uh, who is your favorite Star Wars character? It's it's ever since I was a kid, it's always been Darth Vader. Um, okay. Now it, it kind of 
kind of goes in and out of style with me at, at times simply because I, <laughs> I when I was younger I, I watched Dragon Ball Z and I was I got, I got in the mindset of power level and what I, I, I kind of Dragon extrapolated that back into yeah <laughs> I ended up stopping to watch it because I couldn't handle the uh, the whole periods of episodes where nothing happened and they're just um, screaming at each other <laughs> exactly but I, I I liked the concept that uh, that they had of like a you know characters are kind of ranked on a power level so i i kind of extrapolated that into other other things that i enjoyed and for me with star wars i was like okay we know that vader's a very powerful sith but he reports to the emperor so the emperor must be the most powerful sith and at the time i started kind of going to well maybe i should like i should quote unquote like the emperor more because he's more powerful and that that's how i would associate my level of liking a character is how strong were they with the force yeah. uh, whether it be uh, primarily dark side. Again, I, I like the villains. And then, you know, with the expanded universe, I started trying to figure out, well, where does the Pal- where does Palpatine rank amongst, you know, old Sith? Um, we kind of do all this back and forth. But I think that over, over time, kind of just knowing that a lot of the, the series is about Anakin Skywalker, both before and after he becomes Darth Vader. Um, it's really interesting to see kind of that character's arc uh, yeah. and, and, and how it, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, that can, follow that that type of arc i mean without getting too much into the how people cared about the acting or how the character is written in the first three if you take it kind of at a broad level you know somebody that wants to do good for everybody else ends up doing something terrible just because he thinks he's doing it for the greater good and in my it's, opinion it's, the jedi are evil <laughs> yeah exactly and i mean it's it's interesting to see that that kind of uh, slide um and also you know the the character isn't I mean, when, when you're kind of introduced to him as a kid, he's just this huge black figure, and you're like, oh, God, he's pure evil. There's there's nothing good about him. But, you know, by the end of six, you realize that, oh, maybe that's not always the case. And that's actually why I'm drawn to villains. Is they, It's very yeah, rare nowadays that you see a, a, a purely evil character. They're always like a shade of gray. And I think yeah. that that's, that's what appeals to me. Is Yeah, I, I really like that. How this guy that could be bad actually has a different side of him that is not shown on screen, but... Mm-hmm. maybe it will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dragon Ball Z, you're thinking, uh, what's his power level? Yeah, it's exactly. over 9,000! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's Palpatine. <laughs> I, wonder, yep. I wish we could get some more uh, from Darth Plagueis. Yeah, yeah. That was, I remember watching, uh, was it episode two? Episode two or three. Man. Yeah. Yeah, and I just remember hearing him. I'm like, "Whoa, who's this guy? I need to know everything about this guy now. What did you know? How did he come about? And what did Palpatine do to him?" And was, yeah, I have just, you, like I said, I just love the dark side. Have you heard of the uh, Darth Plagueis is Snoke theory? <laughs> yep, yep. It's. I mean, I don't. I don't believe that's one, but uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I've also. What is the other one that CJ loves to joke about? Uh, he loves to joke about the uh, Ezra from Rebels is Snoke. i don't know man it's it's crazy it's all over the place yeah a a jar jars a snoke (laughs) yep exactly (laughs) emperor palpatine snoke it's like they said he's a new character why can't you just go with that (laughs) exactly yeah they've introduced so many questions with the force awakens yeah like who who is ray who is uh, what is their connection to the skywalkers or the solos or 
Yep. And I mean, and that's, and that's just good storytelling and they know their audience, right? Like they're, yeah. they know that, that us as fans love to just dig through this stuff and try to find every little tie to every little thing that we can. So they're like, well, we'll just put out some little teasers some little, little tidbits of information and then just watch people go crazy trying to figure it out. Then, then we'll release a Star Wars 3D special edition with di- exclusive director's <laughs> cut. <laughs> I want I want to buy all the Star Wars just for the uh, special features. Yeah, I, I think what I what I love doing with um, with all the old uh, Star Wars TV shows, I just love buying the collected edition sets. Uh, I don't like to display uh, like movies or TV shows as much as I used to when I was younger. I buy a lot of stuff digitally now, but. Yeah. If it's Star Wars, I like to try to get whatever I can and just be like, I always have this somewhere because it's Star Wars. Uh, yeah. And I say that as I kind of motion my hand towards all the Legos and various other crap I have uh, <laughs> sitting on this table in front of me. Um, but yeah, I just that's like the, the biggest collectible I have is a bunch of that Star Wars stuff. Yeah, my Legos are to my left. <laughs> okay, nice, nice. We do a lot of uh, custom builds, so we have... a. Uh, Custom built Hobbit hole, um, huh? Star custom built uh, Star Warship, a custom built uh, Norse mythology ship. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that would go yeah. over well here in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, we we had a project. Um, we we had a challenge to um, to try and recreate a uh, ship from history. And oh, that's cool. That that's the one we picked because we had the we had I had the um you know the droid transport ship. Uh, from yeah. it's the big brown one. We have a ton of brown yep. pieces, <laughs> so uh-huh. yeah, we're like Made we sense. have to we have to use brown. And I'm <laughs> little little brothers have destroyed that over time. <laughs> right? Oh man, it's it was dropped like two times, and then the third time I couldn't fix it. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, I but, know my uh, my my fiance recently accidentally bumped into my. High Interceptor Collector's Edition Lego set, and oh. it kind of just fell into a bunch of different pieces. And I'm trying to find the instruction manual so I can put it back together the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> so that's kind of a, a back uh, a project that I need to devote some time into just searching through old old manuals somewhere. I yeah, just need we, to find that pile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a whole box full of them. <laughs> and uh, old Lego Club magazines. Oh, nice. I saw the U-Wing at our Walmart in one of those little display boxes. I was like, man, mm-hmm. that thing's huge. I want it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, uh, I recently, oh, I was just looking for, for one the other day. Uh, and I just saw that they have the, the tie striker. Uh, they just put that out. Um, but I, I, I made, <laughs> I made a compromise with my, with my fiance some time ago, that I'd only buy collector's edition Imperial ship. Cause I, like I said, I love the Imperial. So I have all like the collector's edition, uh, Imperial, ships i she, we're running out of space to put everything so she says you can only get the collectible the collector's versions not like a regular just toy set or just a regular set so i'm like okay well i'm not gonna get this but she recently bought me the uh first order tie tie fighter and i was like oh is this deal off the table can i can i now just go nuts buying like atsts and just random stuff again um so we'll see i'll, I'll try to push that push that envelope a little bit but we'll see what happens <laughs> I need more Star Wars Legos. <laughs> I just I need a room for it all, so that way I don't bother her yeah. by putting it in like our living room. Yeah, I always wanted a uh, whole table that I can make Star Wars, uh, Star Wars land, like in Lego, uh, the Lego movie. 
So, going on to the three-phase game mode. So, when we had Dennis Brandfall on the podcast, uh, he was mm-hmm. he gave a little tease that they were going to go forward with the multi-phase game mode, and we have that now with Scarif. What was the um, mm-hmm. what was the process behind that? Sure, and again, this goes back to kind of working with Lucasfilm and figuring out, you know, what's what's interesting in the movie that's happening on Scarif. What what kind of mini story can we tell? Because you know, as Star Wars fans, I think everyone kind of enjoys a little bit of a little bit of narrative, uh, even in their multiplayer. Like, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing rather than just you're on a field and you're fighting? Uh, yeah. So it, it kind of came from that. It was, and this is, you know, again, where talking with Dennis and and having that context of like, well, all this stuff is happening. It'd be great to kind of showcase some of these elements. How can we do all of that and and let the players experience all that stuff? And he's like, well we can try a phase game mode approach again where that way people can get a taste of this and a taste of this and a taste of this because all these things are very Star Wars without just limiting you to just one type of experience. So that's that's kind of where that came from again. And, and we saw that, you know, we could make some improvements on it. Uh, we got, you know, I mean, we got our loading times down in between the different phases so that it goes, it transitions a lot quicker than it did in, in Death Star. Um, yeah. And that's because, you know, as we're as we're trying out new things for, for, for players, you know, it, it might take us one or two iterations to get better at it because we we have a, a limited time window where we're kind of cranking out some stuff. So we want to try to improve upon that if we can for the next time. Um, so it was, it was yeah. again, it was it was really just about what what helped sells that that kind of Rogue One feel and that Rogue One experience uh, in a short condensed way um, without limiting you to just being down on Scarif. Yeah, and then having other stuff happen on Scarif rather than just a, a very static battlefield. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because I think um, video games as a medium thrive on iterations. I mean, you see this throughout the video game history. You've got mm-hmm. you've got Assassin's Creed One, Assassin's Creed Two, which is like Assassin's Creed One was it was received okay, and but then Assassin's yeah. Creed Two just blew everyone out of the water. Mm-hmm. And and like you see that in all kinds of different games. Like you could see this with Battle the Battlefield franchise franchise like. The Battlefield yeah. franchise has had troubles with the campaigns, and then in Battlefield 1, it just like, <laughs> when I saw the gameplay of the campaign, I was just like, my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's and that's what's, uh, uh, both fortunately and unfortunately, that's that's kind of a, kind of how, how a lot of publishers need to, to create games now, is just there's, it's it is an iterative process, like you said, and sometimes... You know, we'll try new things in the DLC, like you saw with this the phase game mode approach. Um, but over time, if we want more iteration, sometimes it takes a whole new a whole new game to pull that off. Um, yeah. Which I know, you know, people always want things, you know, now, now, now. Uh, but that's just the the challenge we have, right? Is is being able to do those things because it takes time. Yeah. And you guys have done an amazing job on Battlefront. I just, I want to thank you so thank you. much. It is. Oh, we're we're glad everyone enjoys it. I love this game so much. It was my favorite game of 2015. It's my favorite game of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love it so much. And you guys have just have done a crazy good job with the DLCs. I mean, you've brought in Nia Numb, which is one of my favorite characters in the oh, Star really? Wars universe. Great. Great. Um, yeah, I, his flabby face. Uh, it's so awesome. <laughs> pancake face yep yeah and um greedo i really he's one of my favorite villains as well he's just so fast Mm. yeah yeah but he didn't i I liked when we 
Yeah. <laughs> I like when we brought in uh, Bosk against uh, Chewbacca because that was yeah. that was one of the things that I remember having conversations when we were trying to figure out some of the heroes. We were we were trying to figure out okay, well, well, who makes sense? We you know we always kind of played around with concepts of um, having characters that play off each other, and we knew that people really wanted Chewbacca. Um, but uh, you know, early on when it was was. Only a few of us trying to to concept out the the vision for this stuff uh, a long time ago. I remember talking to some people. I was like, "Oh, if, if I remember correctly from from uh, something that I had read at some point in time, I was like, you know, we'll 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 bosk in the the Trandoshans are are known for hunting Wookies, so it'd be be good to pull in uh, pull in bosk and and over time, it was it was nice to see that that, that idea really stuck in in some people's heads, and it was something that we could kind of make happen. Uh, and yeah. I think it worked out really well, and I think that that's you know when we kind of pair characters up like that, it's it's really again that's that's a little mini narrative unto itself, right? Because people will yeah. know that same bit of information, go like, oh, this character matches up well against this character. Like, of course we would do that. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that was a um, Star Wars: The Clone Wars series that it mentioned that. Right. I know Bosk had a big part in a couple of those episodes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and Bosk is such a cool character, and the voice acting was perfect. I know that was that was one thing our uh, our our sound team the, the guys that work on the our VO uh, sorry voiceover uh, yeah the, when they we worked on it um, they were like oh man they you know they they were they were pulling people aside going you guys got to come listen to this like just just check this out I know people during playtests that that hadn't heard it before when they finally got to become boss they were like oh man this this is so great like they just got really hyped on the voice. And it's, it's time and it's, to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they did it really well, and um, yeah, I remember the thing that that we were told is the the voice actor that did it. Uh, we didn't alter his voice; he just made that sound oh. the whole time. Like that was just him doing it. Oh, was it uh, Sam Whitwer? No, um, I don't think we got Sam. If we did, I would have lost my. Or, well, I can't swear. Sorry. If if no, I'm sorry. I, I don't think we got <laughs> Sam. If we did, I would have went. I would have went nuts. Uh, I love. I love Sam. But I really liked uh, how you got uh, Simon Pegg for Dingar. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. That that was really cool, and he was he was gracious enough to record a small message for the team and then send it to us uh, during his VO session. So that's something that uh, that we kind of have as a as a personal personal memento from him, uh, where he he thanked us all for the opportunity to do more stuff in the Star Wars universe. He he was excited to be in a video game. Have you heard of the website uh, behind the voice actors? No. It's but a really that sounds cool, like something I'd be interested in. Yeah, I love I love uh, narrating and voice acting. I I think it's amazing. I like I love listening to animations because um, uh-huh. they did every single sound that you hear in that, and it's just amazing. Like that little grunt, wow. that scream, they voiced it, and it's amazing. I, I mean, I think I, I think voice acting is something that's. Um, very underrated i think you know it goes a bit to the the strike that recently happened um yeah and i've i've i mean even even before that that happened i started to develop in in the last few months actually um more of an appreciation for for uh voice actors and what they go through and this this partly comes from from working with the team uh on on some challenges that we had and it was you know it's always something that's kind of been in the back of my back of my head that these guys do a lot of great stuff on their own and they, they really help bring characters to life in a way that I think a lot of people don't expect because they don't see that person. And I think that there's still so much, you know, acting, which is why they're called voice actors. There's so much, so much acting that goes into it that, that some really skilled people do. Um, and I'm just 
always impressed by that stuff. It's something that I, I in my head, I'm always like, maybe I could learn to do that, but I don't, I don't think so. There's people that study for, for, and practice for a long time to do that. Did you guys use uh, the photogrammetry software for this DLC? Yes, we, we, we have ever since, uh, you know, prior to, prior to launch. That's, that's how we've gotten a lot of our assets. Um, one of the one of the cool things that we did with Lucasfilm is we we taught them a bit about it when when our team originally went out to the archives and they scanned in a lot of the old stuff for a lot of the original content that we've put out. Um, but we talked to them about you know when when you when it comes to Rogue One we can we can tell you how to capture some of this stuff and then send it to us so that we don't have to physically go there do it and then send it back to ourselves. This way we can save a lot of time um, by having them do do a lot of the the original scan work uh, and then we have get that stuff over to our artists and then they kind of massage it really bring it to life i am i love that software i mean when i was uh, younger i wanted to be a game developer and mm-hmm. i i had a dream of just like scanning in real life objects for the game and now <laughs> that is a possibility it's just amazing yeah. it's i mean it's really cool i mean the the, the thing to the thing that that we like to to keep in mind is that you know that's only you know, scanning stuff is is only part of it. Like the artists really have to sit there and then and and tweak things. Um, cause, you know, a rock can can look like a rock, but it also needs to be a game rock. It needs to yeah. If you hit that uh, rock, you need, you need to, to stop. <laughs> yeah, and the, I mean, and on top of that, you need to make sure that you know maybe it's a super high resolution version of that rock. Well, you know, if we put that rock in a million places on the level. The, the game won't run, you know. Yeah. So, how do they how do they tweak it so that it, it doesn't take up a whole lot of, uh, you know, how is it still very high resolution but doesn't take up all the uh, resources to and put a strain on the on the CPU uh, so that we can still give a, a good solid sixty FPS game for everybody, yeah. But still make things look very pretty. Like it's that's the challenge, and that's where those guys really come into play. Every time we boot up Battlefront on PlayStation 4, it's just like, yeah. it sounds like it wants to take off. Exactly. <laughs> I was looking at the file size, and I'm like, Battlefront is 50 gigabytes. Yeah, we, we cram that a lot of stuff awesome. in there. That is just so amazing that you can get a game that beautiful in 50 gigabytes. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Those guys do some some great stuff. This episode of the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon, who allow us to upgrade to new hardware and keep up the hosting for the show. If you have some extra money and would like to help out, go to patreon.com slash battlefrontpodcast. Another way you can support us if you don't like Patreon is to head over to paypal.me slash tie-dye-sheep. T-Y-E-D-Y-E-S-H-E-E-P. Another great way to support our show is to head over to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. You can leave us just star reviews or a written review. Either way is good, and it helps out our show. Thank you so much for listening to Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. Let's continue with the show. I really, really enjoy the little flourishes that you add into the game, like the what-if scenario on a Bespin, like what if the the Empire took over Bespin, and that causes mm-hmm. all of this, stubble, this trouble. And then in the Death Star, I really like that uh, how you did that, where what if you had to get the Death Star plans another way, and then mm-hmm. you have to go blow up the Death Star in these phases. So mm-hmm. do you guys have fun doing that in the game? Like coming up with your own situations? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And that's where that's that's really where, where Dennis kind of helps uh, shine from the, the creative perspective, is what... What kind of little 
little twist or little narrative can we put on this thing um, that still lets it feel Star Wars, but isn't recreating a scene from the movie or uh, something super iconic from the movie, but it, but but feel close enough to that thing where you're like, oh, this could be, you know, if I was to make this up as a kid, it could feel like this. Um, but, you know, that's still where we, we talk a lot with Lucasfilm and say, mm, we want to do this. Does that feel star wars because you know we might have crazy ideas and they're like okay that's that's really cool but you can't do that that's not really what star wars is and that's not how we would see star wars so it's it's a it's a back and forth trying to figure that out yeah and battlefront has i think you uh, your team said it in one of the posts on the uh forums says um battlefront has become a sandbox and um what is the thing that has wowed you the most uh, that the community has done with this game that you've been a part of oh man oh there's oh geez there's there's a lot that the i mean i, I think the one thing that i always enjoy seeing the most of are just the videos of of people doing fun stuff i mean one that one that stuck with me for for quite some time was i believe back from the beta if i'm not mistaken or it was very early on after launch where uh somebody was luke and they force pushed a stormtrooper into uh a oh, tie fighter and I've blew it up <laughs> yeah and that i remember that just going oh god that's so cool <laughs> that so i mean like that's just an example of those type of things it's it's really what the fans create in in video um whether that be uh cinematic things where people are, are kind of creating like retelling their own little stories or if it's just pure gameplay elements that just like you know, you mentioned the sandbox where, where people just try out cool stuff with the tools that we've given them and you see yeah. fun stuff happen. Like that's, that's what I enjoy. Like the uh, Elliot's uh, Mythbuster series. That's a good uh, one too. Yeah. That, that's one of my favorite series he's done. <laughs> it's so cool. Like <laughs> what happens if, uh, or how many kills can you get with the pulse cannon that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. The U wing and the tie defender, they, the tie striker are amazing. Yeah, yeah, the tie striker. Sorry, what what was your approach with the tie striker? So the the tie striker, and this is, I mean, this this is where I think some fans are, are very critical right now. Um, the the thought with the tie striker is, we worked with Lucasfilm and said, okay, what's unique about the 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 tie striker? And the only unique thing that that came with it is that it's an atmospheric only fighter. So it's it's only ever seen on a planet. It's never out in space. Mm. Uh, and apart from that. It functions exactly the way a TIE fighter would. Okay. So for us, we're like, ooh, okay. Um, we don't want to just make this a skin. Yeah. How can we make it feel interesting and useful? Um, and, and since we kind of, you know, we, we touched way back earlier on on the U-Wing having that, that gunship support, and we'll get to that in a bit, but it was like, okay, well, if some if the, if the Rebels have something that's kind of a support function, uh, what could the Imperials do? And, you know, they didn't have the same type of cool functionality that the U-Wing has and in, in being a mobile gun platform. Um, but along those same lines, we're like, okay, well, let's 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 call it an airstrike. Uh, and it, it can be similar to an orbital strike from an AT-AT, but not quite the same. Uh, but the, the goal was to give, give it, have it, or let it be its own unique thing rather than just, here's another TIE fighter that with a different skin. Um, because that's it's not interesting. Uh, yeah. and, you know, this is an issue we started to run into with a lot of the guns over time, and this is where CJ was really starting to try to amp things up in the last couple of DLCs. Which is, how do I make a unique a unique thing for a weapon, uh, 
so that it's just not another gun. We want people to have a, a, an interesting gameplay experience with each weapon. We want them to feel unique, and there's a reason why you choose that versus just, ah, oh, this one looks different. I, I don't really care. Um, so it was kind of the same approach with the, the TIE Striker, which was, you know, it, it needs to feel different than just a, a reskin of the TIE Fighter. That's awesome. I like how you're trying to do different things. Like, th- that's what I love about DICE doing this. I mean, they're like, oh, we could do this, but it's boring, so we're going to do this thing that's amazing but it's gonna be a little different yeah as it's a challenge right like uh we we it's it's really once it gets out there in the hands of the fans if if they think it's it's good i mean we like it uh we thought it was cool again it was we're trying to make interesting interesting gameplay Uh, just like with the u-wing you know you've seen you've seen gunships in some games before but for us we're like well this is this is the role that this thing fills on the battlefield when we've when we talk with lucasfilm and uh, I think you see it in one of the trailers. There's a there's a shot of it doing that exact same thing. So for us, it was like cool. Well, you know, we want to recreate some of those type of moments and that feeling. Um, let's get somebody up there and give them the the opportunity to kind of provide that cover fire from the from the air. Yeah, and I, I like how you did that with the um, U wing. I think it's different enough that it's fun, but also like not too different that it's hard to control. Because yeah. I like how it makes you feel like that crazy alien in the in the trailers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, you know, it's and you don't want to make it like you said too easy. It needs to be somewhat of a challenge because you do have a quite advantageous uh, position being up in the up in the sky, just circling above everybody, just shooting down on them. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, that's it's it's, uh, it's fun when you see people, you know, shoot down the ship, uh, try to end that guy's reign of terror early. <laughs> yeah, I really I like uh, playing with the U wing in the first phase. It's very challenging because you have to kind of go around everyone yeah uh, or else five tie fighters are going to be on your tail exactly i i I remember playing a few times and and just looking at you know dodging things like crazy i i had one run where i was under fire from almost my spawn point the entire way and you know my team was picking off the odd tie fighter here and there but i felt like i at least had three or four on me the entire time i was just carefully blasting abilities and and trying to hide behind cover of either the corvettes or using the star destroyers as cover and then weaving in and out of the 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 junk the space junk that's floating there and it just oh it was so intense and when i finally made it i was like oh god oh i'm done i don't i don't want to play i don't want to go to phase two i'm i'm spent (laughs) that is that's awesome i've I've had those those moments where i'm just playing in a, a really intense game and i'm just like okay i need to i need to take a break that was yeah. extremely stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like that when you uh, my favorite phase of the Death Star is the trench run, and when you yeah. get picked there, you're just trying to make it to the end of the trench without getting uh, spotted by anybody. She's like, yeah, exactly. Be very it's, quiet. It's, it's it's one part stealth, and it's the other part is just like sheer terror from like don't hit anything, don't hit anything, don't hit anything. Yeah, <laughs> be careful with your evasive maneuvers. <laughs> exactly, everyone's counting on me. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Yeah, uh, it, the first time I played the uh, Scarif DLC, I used my evasive maneuver and landed into a pile of space junk. Oh, that'll get you. I was like, that'll get what? You. <laughs> yep. I think the other thing, going back to your your comment earlier about uh, being careful with how you maneuver the the U wing in there, is is that with those wide wings and and kind of its its extended kind of body size, it's it takes getting used to like okay, what where can I fit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like with the X wing, you've got a pretty pretty standard 
size so you can know where you're going to go but with the u-wing it's like a triangle but yeah it's also thicker and wider than yep uh, the x-wing or the tie fighter and it's uh, it's a challenge that's it for this episode thanks for listening this episode of the star wars battlefront podcast is brought to you by our patrons on patreon you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash battlefront podcast or if you don't have the money and would like to support the show, you can go to iTunes and leave a review. If you don't know what to say, just leave your favorite Star Wars character. Our new intro music was made by Daniel Barham or at Gafunko on Twitter. G-A-F-U-N-K-O. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can contact us at battlefrontpodcast at gmail.com and in the subject line, put podcast guest. We do the guest episodes through Skype, so make sure you have a Skype account. You can leave feedback on our email. That again is battlefrontpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us at SWB Podcast for all things Battlefront, and you can also follow us at Tie-Dye Sheep YT for Warring Galaxy News. If there's new Battlefront news, we will cover it first on our Twitter. May the Force be with you, always. Uh, yeah. A, uh, a Lego City. Yep. I love the Lego City sets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's this one uh, Lego YouTuber, and he's got a whole room dedicated to a Lego City. It's, Whoa. And it's massive and insane. He's got to make little, uh, it's these square tables, and he's got holes in the middle so he can work, uh, work on the city as he builds it. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I, guess, all, I mean, I shouldn't say it's too crazy. It's it's similar to like, you know, people that used to have uh, fake uh, train set or not fake, but uh, the, the the miniature train sets way back, you know, years and years ago. They model yeah. entire cities and things like that. Yeah, similar. That's awesome. So, going back to battle. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love uh, the gifs on um, on Twitter. I'll, I just uh, Star Wars gif all the time. Yes, oh, I, so good. I, I, I challenge people to Star Wars gif offs. Ooh, like um, ooh, that could be fun. Yeah, uh, I did one with the uh, cinematic captors, uh, just stormtroopers. We try to f- challenge each other to find the best Star uh, stormtrooper gif. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> Oh, man. There was Good one times. of a a, a stormtrooper petting a, a tauntaun uh, carpet. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> Where do you find these things? Oh, that's great. Uh, one more question about Rogue One: Does it have a crawl? Ooh, I don't know if I want to spoil things for for your listeners. I'll, I'll cut if it out. Just you, me. You can always cut it. Yeah, it, it does not have a crawl. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I heard, I heard uh, the reason for that is because it takes place in the crawl of New Hope.
Yeah, exactly. Like I, I think the other the other thing that I heard at one point, and this is this is not from Lucasfilm. This is just yeah. general. I heard this. Maybe it was from them, but I don't remember. So I, I don't want to quote them. Um, but it was. It's not episode four, episode five. It's not. It's not a, a, a quote unquote true Star Wars movie in the episodic one through nine. Um, yeah. Uh, liking since you know they call it Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So. Mm-hmm. That's why it doesn't have the crawl, because only those movies do, for whatever reason. And they said, since this is a, a story, it's not part of the core set of movies, it's not going to have one. That's, that's interesting. I, yeah. I really like that um, explanation. <laughs>